Well, good morning, Hershey Free Church. Thanks for joining us online for this worship service. I'm excited to open up uh, the Bible and teach some things to you. So if you have a print Bible or a Bible app or something like that, I invite you to open up to Romans chapter 8, and we'll get there in just a minute. But hey, let's just first start off by acknowledging that this last year was a difficult year. It was challenging at best. In fact, if I were to ask each of you watching this to come up with your own adjective to describe the last 12 months, the last 18 months, I'm sure we could paint a very colorful picture. So in response to this last year, our church has been spending the the month of July talking about uh, the, the response to this and living well. And so there's four topics that we have addressed this month, uh, living well relationally, living well emotionally, living well physically, and this is the the fourth Sunday of July, so today's topic is living well spiritually. And there's two questions that we have started each uh, Sunday morning sermon asking you, and this is, uh, this, these are the questions. Have I developed bad habits that I need to lose? Secondly, are there good habits that I need to develop? And so today we're going to talk about spiritual health, and so be thinking about those two questions as we go through this. And again, you can open up to Romans 8. But before we get started, there's a verse that I want to show you from uh, Jesus. This is Matthew 9, 12. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Now, we're not going to open up uh, Matthew 9 right now, but if we were to open that up, it would become pretty obvious from the context that Jesus is not talking about physical health. He's not talking about needing a doctor because you have a virus or a broken bone or, uh, you know, headaches or, uh, you know, uh, something that is obviously wrong on the outside with your physical body. He's talking about your spirituality, about your spiritual health. And so he is saying that there is a way to become spiritually healthy, and there is a doctor who can do that. And once again, if you read the context, it would be very obvious Jesus is talking about he himself. He is the physician, the doctor who can take someone who is spiritually unhealthy, spiritually sick in other words, and make them spiritually healthy. And here, I want you to hear this very quickly, quick, uh, clearly because there is someone listening to me right now who needs to hear this. Maybe you feel that you are not spiritually healthy. Maybe a thought like this is coming to mind right now. I feel that I am far from God. Or maybe it's this, I feel like I am not growing spiritually, like I'm in a a spiritual desert. It's dry right now in my spiritual life. Or maybe you would even say this, I want to have a relationship with God, but I don't even know how to do that. I want you to know that the next 20 or 25 minutes are for you. Don't turn that dial, and I think that there is hope for you as we talk about Jesus and his ability to take those who are spiritually sick and make them spiritually healthy. But before we get started with all that, I want to answer a simple question first. What do we mean when we talk about spiritual health? If you were to ask 10 different people what spiritual health means or or spirituality, what that means, you would get 10 different answers. In fact, there's a a Christian research group known as the Barna Group. They've written several books and so forth. They do a lot of studies. They actually asked uh, many people, many more than 10 people, questions like this. And they came up with many more than 10 responses as well. What does it mean to be spiritual? In fact, uh, based on all their research, they came up with a category of people, a, a certain kind of person who they consider spiritual but not religious. And maybe you've heard somebody talk like that. They would say, you know what, I'm, 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 a, I'm a very spiritual person, but I'm not a religious person. And so here's what Barna found out that they meant. Here's a graph from their chart. You can look this up. Just, just Google spiritual but not religious by the Barna group, and you can find this report. But they discovered that people in this category, they're, they're not exactly sure how they would define God. God could be a, a personal God like uh, you know, Allah or Buddha or the triune God, Yahweh, that we worship, Jesus Christ uh, and God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Or it could be the light or a higher power. 
Maybe you've heard someone say something like, you know, I think the universe is telling me something. Well, when they say universe, they're, they're talking about, you know, some kind of higher power that they can't define. So they call it the universe. There's some force out there that is influencing them or trying to, trying to talk specifically to them. But, but people who are spiritual but not religious, they would say, you know, I'm not exactly sure what God is. Uh, furthermore, this group believes that being spiritual is something that is deeply personal and private. It's a practice of looking within and, and basing my spirituality on what I am feeling at the moment instead of some kind of outward you know, force or, or person or experience. And then thirdly, many of these people don't even claim any faith at all. You wouldn't hear them maybe say that they are Christian or, or that they're Muslim or that they're Buddhist or, or Jewish. They, they wouldn't necessarily claim a, a certain you know, religious category or affiliation with uh, a certain religion, but they would still consider themselves spiritual people. So here's the question that we need to answer before we go any further. What do we as Christians mean by spirituality? And so I just want to start briefly by giving you an explicitly Christian definition of what we're going to be talking about today when we talk about spiritual health. And to do that, I have a quote for you from a book by Barry Jones. Good book. I'd recommend it if you want to buy that. He says, spirituality or life with God is life with the spirit. And so here's what I'm going to be meaning today when I talk about being spiritually healthy and living well in a spiritual sense. Here's what I'm talking about. When we Christians talk about spiritual health, we mean, number one, that we have a relationship with the Trinitarian God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, also known as Yahweh is his proper name. Secondly, we have made a decision to follow Jesus, and his death has paid the penalty for our sins, so we have a relationship with this God. And then number three, we are open to the Holy Spirit guiding us and, and convicting us and stretching us and, and prompting us into action. This, this is what I mean when I talk today about spirituality or having spiritual health. Spirituality or life with God is life with the Spirit. Now, developing a healthy spiritual life does not happen in a day, but it does require steps that we can take, little steps that we can take every single day that then lead to a relationship with God that is, that is natural and that is life-giving and results in life and peace in the text that we're going to see today. So that's what we're going to study today. I'm, uh, I, I love this text that we're about to read, and hopefully I do justice to the text, and you also fall in love with Romans 8. So here's the text we're going to look at today. Uh, we're starting in verse 5, Romans 8, 5, and we're going to go to verse 13. Paul writes this, Those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. But those who live in accordance with the, uh, the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation but it is not to the flesh to live according to it, to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now, that's a lot of text right there. We're going to really focus in 
almost exclusively on verses 5 and 6, which I'm going to show you in just a second. But here's, here's the flow of thought today. And if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not, then uh, write a, a, a mental note, and hopefully we'll say it enough that you will remember part of this today. Spiritual habits lead to spiritual desires, which lead to spiritual health. Once again, spiritual habits are what lead to spiritual desires. And spiritual desires are what lead to spiritual health. So that's what we are going to be talking about today. Now let me go back to, uh, to this text in verses 5 and 6. Those who live according to the flesh, in other words, they're, they're living in a fleshly way. I'm going to define what flesh means in a second. They're living according to the flesh. They have fleshly habits uh, uh, in, in, their, in their life. They have their mindset on what the flesh desires. In other words, this has caused them to have fleshly desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, they are, they are living in the Spirit. They are living out their lives with these spiritual habits of theirs. And, uh, and, and their minds are therefore set on what the Spirit desires. So now they have their mind, their thinking, their thoughts, their feelings are now spiritual desires. And this results in the mind that is governed by the flesh ends up in death. The mind that is governed by the Spirit is spiritual health, life, and peace as defined in this text. So once again, I'm going to leave this up. Spiritual habits lead to spiritual desires, which lead to spiritual health. So let's talk about spiritual habits. Let me go back to this text uh, just for a second because he talks about the flesh. So what does he mean by the flesh? Well, living according to the flesh means that your thoughts and your actions are completely controlled by whatever you think or feel in that given moment. So flesh doesn't mean in this text necessarily my, my skin and my bones and my I don't know, ligaments and blood and things like that. In fact, in the New Testament, in, in, uh, in the Greek language, there are two different words for what we would say is, is body or flesh. There is soma, that's a Greek word for my, my, actual, my, my actual physical body. And then there's the word sarx, the Greek word sarx, which, refers to, which is this, flesh. So it doesn't mean necessarily our physical body, but what that means is uh, anything that is my natural desire. It's, it's my default setting without any influence from God or from the Holy Spirit. It is, it is my natural desires. It's the environment that I grew up in. It's the influences that I've had in my life, the people and things that I've been exposed to. It's, that is what leads me to living the way that I do. I'm living according to the flesh, not according to any influence or input from God. I'm living just based on what I know and have seen and felt and what I think is right in the moment right now. That, that's what he means by the flesh. But then he shows us in this text a completely different way of living. He talks about other people who have a very different influence, a supernatural influence on their life. They live not, not just according to their flesh, not just according to here's what my mama taught me and I grew up in the South and this is how we did things back in my day. No, not, not according to just the flesh, just their natural desire, the way they've always done things, but they live according to the Spirit. In other words, they live a life in which the Holy Spirit is influencing what they think, what they do, how they treat others, how, how, they, how they process things that happen in their life. They, they, they're not living just according to the flesh, what they know, what they think, what they feel, what they, what they can experience on this rock that we call earth. But they are living a life that is influenced by the Holy Spirit. And so that's what he means when he talks about the flesh. And now listen, I am, uh, I am speaking here with the assumption that everyone listening right now wants to live a life that is governed by the Spirit. My assumption is that you want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit Otherwise, you would not be listening to this. I'm sure there are many other things you could be doing right now. You could be on a baseball field or playing video games or whatever, but you are listening to this because you want to live a life that is guided and prompted and convicted and, 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 and led by the Holy Spirit. And so if that is you, and I'm assuming that is, here's how this happens. Spiritual habits are what lead to spiritual desires. Spiritual desires, in turn, lead to spiritual health. 
Now, let me tell you how this happens. But first, let me tell you a story. I wonder how many of you have heard the name Ivan Pavlov before? If you've heard the name Ivan Pavlov, it's because you've heard about this famous experiment that he did. So Pavlov was a scientist, and what he did one day is he took a dog and placed the dog on a table. And he gave the dog some food. And as he gave the dog food, he took a bell and he rang the bell. And he did this repeatedly, day after day. He would give the dog food, and as he gave the dog food, he would also ring a bell. And then eventually what he did is he took the food away, and before bringing the dog anything that he could eat, he would ring the bell. And what he noticed, and if you're familiar with the experiment, you learned it in school or whatever, you know what happened. Every time he would ring the bell, the dog would begin to salivate. Now, the interesting thing is the bell's not edible. The bell doesn't taste like food. If he licked it, the bell doesn't smell like food. The, The bell cannot feed the dog, and there's no reason why a bell would make a dog salivate. But because he was used to getting the food at the same time as ringing the bell, every time he rung the bell with no food, the dog would begin to salivate. In other words, what Pavlov discovered is how to turn a habit into a desire. Habits affect what we crave, what we want, what we desire. Spiritual habits lead to spiritual desires. Now, you and I have turned habits into desires as well uh, in our own lives. I wonder how many of you, uh, maybe you have this habit of every Monday morning, Wednesday morning, and Friday morning or whatever, you get up early in the morning and you go jog outside in the fresh air as the sun rises uh, before you you know shower and get on with, with your work or, or whatever else is going on in your day. Now, I don't think I've ever met a single person who enjoyed who desired to go jogging for the first time because <laughs> jogging for the first time is it's it's painful and you're sore and you're sweaty and you can't go very far because you're panting and breathing I, I mean nobody likes jogging for the first time but maybe you've experienced this where you've developed this habit of jogging three four five times maybe every single day of the week and now it's to the point where maybe a monday morning comes around and it's raining and you're bummed out that you can't go jogging it's because you've developed this habit and in that habit, you've come to enjoy the air, the feeling of, of breathing, uh, and, and, and the feeling that your body has, the, the, the adrenaline, the endorphins. You've come to the point where you actually enjoy the jogging because you have developed a habit. This habit has turned into desires for you. Here's another habit that maybe you've developed. Uh, many of you have, I don't have mine on me, but you have a smartphone or an iPhone, a Samsung, something like that. And as soon as you got that, you began this habit of every morning, as soon as you wake up, as soon as the alarm clock goes off, you pick it up and you begin to check things like social media or the news or you check your email. Now step back for a second. I don't think there's anybody on this planet who wants to start work the second, the, the, the split second they woke up. But many of us have developed a habit of checking our email as soon as we wake up. It doesn't really make sense. Or, I mean, how many of you, if, if you step back and really evaluate it, that you, you have to know what has happened in the world in the last eight hours. You have to know what has happened in your friends' lives in the last eight or, or, or seven hours. And so you've got to check, check the news or social media as soon as you wake up. None of us really, it doesn't make sense that we would desire that as soon as we wake up. I mean, let's get some coffee or something first and at least, you know, brush our teeth or whatever. But it's because we have developed a habit. And this habit of picking up our phone, I'm not picking on anybody on their phone. I'm not, make, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying we have developed a habit of checking our phone first thing in the morning. And that has led us to wanting to know if we've gotten an email, to wanting to know if something big has happened in the world, to wanting to know if our friends have posted anything overnight. These habits have led us to desires. And so what I'm arguing for you today is that spiritual habits will lead to spiritual desires. And if you were to begin a habit of picking up your Bible 
every single morning and reading your Bible. You can just do one chapter or whatever starting out. If you were to develop a habit of reading your Bible every morning, I bet you anything that after some time, you will wake up in the morning, fix your cup of coffee, and then begin looking around for your Bible because you are going to begin desiring to hear from God and to read and study His Word every morning. Here's another habit. If you were to develop a habit of every single week, every single Sunday morning, coming to a church worship service, eventually you're going to get to the point where you desire this, where you wake up planning for Sunday, and Sunday morning comes, and you, you are craving singing your heart out to God surrounded by your local church family. You're going to have a craving every Sunday morning to hear from God's Word and to learn from Him and, and, and to pray to Him and to confess your sins with others. You're going to have these desires that come. And by the way, I just want to I just want to prompt some of you who uh, many of you are are watching this this service online because you have reasons why you have to. You know, you work on a Sunday morning, or you can't get to the service, or uh, you, you know, you have other responsibilities. I just want to encourage you. If some of you have gotten into the habit of of watching this instead of being in person with your church family, I just want to gently prod you to consider coming back to in person worship services. And as you develop that habit, you will find that you have now a desire to be with shoulder to shoulder with your church family and worship in a corporate way. It'll lead to a desire. Another one is the, the spiritual habit of serving. If you develop habits of serving other people, you will find yourself looking for opportunities to, to make the world a better place, to invest in somebody else's life, to, 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 to see a need and take the lead. You're going to develop these desires that you have. All right. Spiritual habits lead to spiritual desires, which lead to spiritual health. And this is what he says in the text here. Now, uh, by the way, I don't have time to talk in detail about what different spiritual habits are, but I want to re- uh, recommend two books to you. One is The Life You've Always Wanted. The subtitle is Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People. Very accessible, easy read by John Orberg. Another is uh, Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton. So if, uh, if you don't have time to look those up right now, you can look in the sermon notes on hfcinfo.com and look up these two books. Hopefully that is helpful for you. So we've talked about spiritual habits. Let's talk about spiritual desires. Here's our text again. Those who live according to the Spirit, they have spiritual habits of living in accordance. They have set their minds on what the Spirit desires. So their mind is now in tune with what the Spirit's mind is. They have spiritual desires. Here's a quote that I want to show you, uh, a book that I highly recommend, a little heady, but if you want to dig more into this topic, this is a book I highly recommend by James Smith. He writes that we aren't pushed by beliefs. We are pulled by desire. Now let me just say this. Desires are so much more powerful than beliefs. Having a desire for something is far more influential, far more swaying. It's far more powerful than me than having just a list of bullet points or doctrines or things that I have knowledge of. Desires are what pull us far more than a belief would push us anywhere. Desires are far more powerful than beliefs. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I recall back when I was back when I was a child, I, I was terrible at reading. And therefore I couldn't stand reading. And <laughs> so every every weekend when I would go and, and visit my dad, uh, he, he would make me do these computer programs where I had to had to read and, and click and, 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 and had to read this thing. He would make me practice for hours. Every weekend that I went to visit dad, I had to practice for hours reading. And I tell you I despised it. I, I could not stand reading because I was so bad at it. It took so much work and effort and I just I, I did not like reading. But then one day one day I was introduced to the Wayside School Book series. Best best series ever for elementary age kids. 
and I just fell in love with the characters and the plots of that book. Then eventually led me to reading a series like the Red Wall series, another book, uh, book series that I really enjoyed. Then eventually I was getting into Harry Potter, uh, Lord of the Rings, and things like that. And before you knew it, I had become not only competent at reading, but to this day, I love reading. And there is not a single day that goes by that I don't pick up a book. Not because I have to, but because I want to. And I love and desire reading because I have had these habits that have led to desires of reading. And that desire has led me to, I don't have to read. Nobody's telling me to read. I want to read. Another one is, uh, maybe, maybe some of you experience this. Uh, many of you watching this right now, you're a young adult or a young person, or you used to be a young adult, you used to be a young person, and maybe you found yourself saying, you know, I'm never going to settle down. I, I can never picture myself having a mortgage and, and a picket fence and, and the cable bill. Like, that, that's just not me. I'm going to explore. I'm not going to work in one place and stay there for a decade. Man, I'm going to travel. I'm going to explore. I don't want to be tied down to anything. And then you met him. Or then you met her. And there was a desire there for him or her. And that changed the course of your future. Desire will pull us far more than a belief will push us. We are not pushed by beliefs we are pulled by desires and what he shows us in this text is that if we have spiritual habits developed those will lead to spiritual desires and our text is telling us that a mind set on the what the spirit desires spiritual desires lead us to a mind that is governed by the spirit which in turn leads to life and peace or spiritual habits i think i have the graph here once again never mind i don't have that up but basically the, remember spiritual habits lead to spiritual desires. We've talked about desires. Let's also talk about spiritual health last. So here's Romans 8, 6. The mind that is governed by the flesh results in death, but the mind that is governed by the spirit is life and peace. Fleshly desires lead to death. Spiritual desires lead to life. And by life here, he doesn't just mean eternal life or living, uh, living forever with Jesus in heaven, although that is key to this text. What he also means is what Jesus called abundant life. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. It is life-giving in every sense of the word. But then he doesn't just stop at life. You would imagine that he would just compare antonyms, right? Living by the flesh is death, spirit is life. But he adds to it life and peace. He's talking about a spiritual health that results in the, the old Hebrew term shalom. It's, 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 it's wholeness. It's, it's peace in every sense of the word. And God wants you to have that. Let me explain this a little more concretely so you can picture it. And again, this is up on hfcinfo.com if you want to refer this, to this later. Uh, here on the left side, I have some uh, spiritually healthy responses or ways of thinking. And on the right side, spiritually unhealthy responses or ways of thinking. Uh, many of these come from Pete Scazzaro's book series about emotionally healthy spirituality. But just as I read these, just kind of think about your own experience right now. So a spiritually healthy response would be this. I wait to say yes or no to new opportunities until I have had sufficient time to prayerfully and carefully discern God's will. An unhealthy or a less healthy response would be this, that I feel the pressure to please others or validate myself, so I say yes or no to new opportunities very quickly. This would be a spiritually healthy response. I offer God access to my decisions and plans. An unhealthy response would be, I, I make strategic or rational decisions. I mean, this, this makes sense that we would do this. And then I ask God to bless my endeavors, my, my path that I have chosen. That would be an unhealthy response. Here's another one. I am comfortable and accepting of my limits. We all have limits on our time, our physical abilities, and so forth. 
I'm comfortable. I'm accepting of my limits. God has given us limits. We are human, right? An unhealthy response would be this, that I often overextend my limits. I am preoccupied with myself. Sometimes I become defensive or pouty when I, when I run into these limits, but I often overextend my limits. I don't realize that God has placed limits in my life for a reason. Here's a few more. I feel free to be real and transparent with other people. That'd be healthy. An unhealthy response is, I'm accustomed to not being fully transparent. People often see a facade with me. Here's another one. I am being transformed by the Holy Spirit to become the right kind of person. That would be a spiritually healthy response. Spiritually unhealthy would be this. I am learning the right things to believe in, but knowledge acquisition doesn't usually result in life transformation. I know the facts, but I'm not being transformed to the right kind of person. That would be unhealthy. Spiritually healthy. Stress, and disappointments, and trials, we all have those. They prompt me to learn how God will use this situation for good. An unhealthy uh, side of that would be that I unravel quickly from stress and disappointments and trials. I'm devastated when it comes instead of seeking to find out what God is doing here. Here, j- Just three more. Spiritually healthy would be I have daily and weekly habits that help me live with Jesus. Unhealthy would be my habits of living with Jesus are they're haphazard, they're irregular at best. Second to last one. I prioritize spiritual disciplines and serve God as an outpouring of my relationship with Him. An unhealthy response would be, I, I do activity for God, do more activity for God than my relationship with God can sustain and it, it results in me being chronically overextended. Here's the last one. And this one bumps into uh, really three of our, our topics, emotional health, uh, relational health, and then spiritual health. I can discuss my values and my opinions without becoming adversarial, and I have the capacity to respect the opinions of others and to resolve conflict. Here's an unhealthy response. I interpret disagreements as personal defenses. I'm easily hurt, and I avoid conflict. We've seen some of that this last year, especially uh, with all that has gone on politically and with covid now, with that said, uh, again, you can go to hfcinfo.com and find that list if you want to refer back to that later. Maybe this is something you want to work on. Let me remind you that spiritual habits are what lead to spiritual desires, and those lead to spiritual health. Now, maybe you're listening to this today, and you would say that you're not even sure that you have a relationship with God. If you're interested in finding out more about that, I would encourage you, if you know someone in the church, reach out to them. And if not, you can call our church office and speak with the person who is the staff on call. Any of us here would love to talk to you more about what it means to have a relationship with God and to have uh, become spiritually healthy. But maybe you're listening to this and you are a Christian, but you need healing or you just need, you just need a reset. I just need a reset because I'm not spiritually healthy. I need the doctor. I need Jesus, the one who said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I need him to make me spiritually healthy. If that's you, I want to invite you to just reset your spiritual habits today. In just a minute, we're going to take communion together. And may this be a reminder that Christ has died for your sins and reconciled you to God the Father and the Holy Spirit wants to govern your life. So as we prepare for communion, listen to the words of this worship song. All right, we're about to take communion together as a church family, so hopefully you have something for to represent the, the, the body of Jesus and also the blood of Jesus, the, the cup, as we take this together. This is something that every church throughout history has done together ever since the time of Jesus. So we're going to participate in this ancient practice of remembering Jesus' sacrificial death for us on the cross to forgive us of our sins. 
But this can also be a time for you to reflect on your own spiritual health right now, uh, to confess your sins to God, and then to just do a reset on what your spiritual habits and desires will be in the future. So as we take this, let me read to you uh, something from God's Word here. This is from 1 Corinthians 11. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take this together. Well, thank you, church. As we close the service, let me remind you that the screen's going to go black in a minute, but that does not mean that church is over. Church is far from over because you are the church. Church is an action verb, as some would say. And so you are not being dismissed, but you are being sent. You are being sent to form spiritual habits. You are being sent to conform your desires with the Holy Spirit's desires. You are being sent to evaluate your own spiritual health. So you are not dismissed, but you are sent. Thank you.